podcast of Risen Fellowship. We're glad you clicked on us to be able to watch this, and we've been going through the minor prophets of the Old Testament, a group of 12 that uh, a lot of people haven't given a lot of attention to. I know that during my studies, that was probably one of the uh, areas of the Bible that I gave the least amount of time to studying, so I went through a number of months of just studying through these and decided to make these podcasts. And the thing I'd like to remind us, I've said this every time we've done one, is that the minor prophets are not minor in the sense of being less important than the prophets of like uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, or Daniel. No, uh, they're called minor prophets because of the brevity of their ministry and of their writings that they had. But when you start reading them, when you get to Zechariah, which we'll get to in just a couple more podcasts, uh, Zechariah's writings and ministry was anything but brief or simple. Uh, but the minor prophets are not just about history of God's people in the Old Testament. The minor prophets are for everybody, even for us today. They call each one of us to repentance of our sins. It calls each one of us to be obedient to God's Word. And then it calls all of us to have and continue to have that hope for the future. Now, we've already gone through a number of them. The first one is Hosea. And Hosea's ministry grew out of a personal heartbreak in his own family. The second one is Joel. And Joel's was a national calamity. He saw in a vision about an invasion of, of a plague of locusts. And of course, the physical locust was an immediate judgment that God was bringing upon uh, the nation. But then the ultimate judgment, it was the day of the Lord when God would take care of everything and judge the whole world. The third one is Amos. And Amos wasn't really a prophet per se. He was a sheep herder and he was from Judah, but God called him out from his sheep to go to the neighboring uh, kingdom of Israel uh, uh, and to uh, prophesy against them. And then was Obadiah. And Obadiah was a short book, just two chapters, and there's basically two messages. It's about God's vengeance on Esau, which was Jacob's twin brother. But then it also talked about God's victory for Jacob, the chosen one of God. And then our uh, fifth prophet is Jonah. Now, Jonah probably ranks as the most, one of the most known stories of all the Bible, but we must remember that Jonah was an actual person. It's not a fable or a fairy tale or even just, you know, some story that's been made up that was used in a great way. No, it's a familiar story and it's a real person. And there are a lot of truths that are hidden inside that that makes it worthwhile of our study. It's just a short little Old Testament book. And the sixth one is Micah. And Micah's focus was on Judah, the southern kingdom, uh, and its capital, Jerusalem. There's seven chapters, and there were three sermons in those seven chapters that judgment is coming and that the liver is coming. And the final message was, trust the Lord today. The seventh prophet is Nahum, and he prophesied God's message about the destruction of Nineveh, which was about a hundred years after Jonah had preached there and the Ninevites repented. But now God was through with the Ninevites, and he used uh, Nahum to promote this uh, message that it was coming, the, the end and the destruction was coming for Nineveh. But it wasn't just about the Ninevites. This was hope for Israel and for Judah because they were under oppression uh, by the Ninevites and they would be encouraged to trust God that he was going to take care of their problem. And the last one we looked at in our last uh, podcast is Habakkuk. He was the eighth prophet and you see him opening up in the book where he was wondering what God was doing and if God was even aware of what was going on and he kept waiting on God to work to move in favor of the nation of Israel and he waited and waited and just as Isaiah wrote that those who wait upon the Lord they will renew their strength they'll mount up on wings of eagles they'll run and not grow weary and they'll walk and not become tired well Habakkuk waited and as he waited we see in the last chapter where he 
sees God answers questions and he begins to worship the Lord. And so tonight, today we're going to look at the ninth of the minor prophets, which is Zephaniah. And I'll just ask you to start this. When was the last time you remember singing a worship song that focused on the day of the Lord? Or maybe when was the last time you picked up a newspaper or magazine and there was an article there about the day of the Lord? You see, most people don't connect God to our current or our future events. The closest we come in our culture to involving God in human events is in our insurance policies. Where we read that line that says, acts of God of which we have no control. But wasn't that way in Jeremiah, uh, Zephaniah's day? They concentrated on the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is an important biblical concept that we must take very, very seriously because it tells us how things are going to end. And during the day of the Lord, it tells us that God is going to send tribulation in the world. He's going to judge the nations. He's going to save His people Israel. And then He's going to establish His righteous kingdom. And God warns the world that judgment is coming. And anyone not prepared for it would simply be a foolish person. And the big question that Zephaniah asks in his message is, were you going to hide on that great, terrible day of the Lord if you don't trust in Him? And in the very opening verses, Zephaniah uh, writes uh, that uh, he ministered during the reign of King Josiah. And King Josiah was this one that led the nation uh, to revival. And that was triggered because they had found a copy of the book of the law in the temple. And to all appearances, this was a time of great religious concern and consecration. Now, Zephaniah makes no mention of that revival in his writing. So obviously he wrote this before that revival took place and he saw things quite a bit differently than after the revival. He saw that the hearts of the people and he knew that their religious zeal was not sincere. They were merely reforming themselves and their reforms were shallow. See, the people got rid of the idols in their houses but they did not remove the idols in their hearts. And even the rulers of the land, they got uh, they were got even more greedy and became more disobedient to God's word. And with Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city became the source of all kinds of wickedness. And sometimes we learn that a mere outward reformation clears the way for the work of Satan, the devil in our lives. It was just as Jesus, when he was talking to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12, he said, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes to the dry places, seeking rest, and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. And then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. And Jesus looked at those he was speaking to, and so it is uh, will also be with this wicked generation. Outward reformation is shallow, and it only leads not only to frustration, but it will also lead to destruction as well. You see, we cannot, none of us, in the Old Testament times or the New Testament times, none of us can trust our own work to make ourselves acceptable before God. We must trust solely and completely on God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. 
Now, Jeremiah was also a contemporary of Zephaniah's, and their messages were pretty straightforward. God is going to judge Judah, and he's going to judge the nation, but God will also restore uh, his people. And it reminds me a lot of what Peter wrote in his first letter in chapter 4, verse 17. He says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful creator. You see, Zephaniah was telling God's people, he said, Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth who have upheld His justice. Seek righteousness, seek humility, and it may be well uh, that you may be hidden in that great day of the Lord's anger. And those words ring similarly to the words that Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount that's called uh, the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You see, it shows that we as people have a need that we can't fill for ourselves. And when we see the needs, if we'll turn to the Lord, He'll take care and meet each and every one of those. Both Zephaniah and Jesus, along with the rest of the voices of God's Word, tell us that favor with God is not based on the correct performance of a list of do's and don'ts. But it's based on the humble recognition that such performance is impossible for sinners. And those sinners choosing instead rather to receive God's gracious gift of salvation and forgiveness by faith. You see, the formula is very simple. Obedience then follows out of gratitude. We never earn God's favor and God's protection and blessing. We trust God in what He's done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Then God transforms us and then we obey. And that's the correct order. And I pray that today, even as we're living in the New Testament times, the day is growing closer and closer of that great and terrible day of the Lord when He's going to return and He is going to judge the nation and He's going to establish His kingdom. And if you're going to be a part of that, you must do it God's way and not your way. And I hope and pray that you will listen to the voice, not my voice, not to any other human's voice. We may speak the gospel to you, but listen to the Holy Spirit that's trying to convict you of your sin, of your need for a Savior and a need of righteousness. And that can only come through trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that the Lord will touch you and you will respond out of His grace and His forgiveness and enjoy the relationship that knows you have not only forgiveness here on earth, but you have eternity waiting for you in heaven. And again, I want to close our, our podcast with uh, the words of the lyrics of a song of a, a young man named Wayne Kerr. And um, he had just written a song when I met him, and it's to me just one of the greatest songs I've ever heard. And it's called My Prayer for You. And he said, um, my prayer for you is that you could have joy like you've never known, peace and a happy home, time to be all alone. This is my prayer, my prayer for you. Hope 
for a better day. Love because it's the only way. Uh, grandkids, when you're old and gray, this is my prayer, my prayer for you. And he kind of had a little bridge in there with this song. And it says that you'd be able to step into an ocean at least twice a year. That the love of a child would whisper in your ear. And then that God would be the center of everything you do. This is my prayer, my prayer for you. And I pray that your life will be revolving around the sun and allowing him to light your path and to guide you into the way of true happiness and peace. Now, our next podcast will go on to the 10th of the Minor Prophets, which is Haggai. I hope you'll be able to join us for that. And if you have any questions or uh, any comments, I'd love to hear from you. You can do that by emailing me at mike at risen.church. Thank you and may God bless you.